Are you ready to head down the path to an abundant retirement? We're tackling the topics of the mind of the modern retiree here on Navigating an Abundant Retirement Radio. And now your host, Carol Dewey. Welcome back to Navigating an Abundant Retirement Radio. I am your host, Carol Dewey, and this week we're going to continue talking about customized solutions to everyday retirement problems. As the sun sets on your career and every day is about to become Saturday, you will be faced with issues such as how to effectively take required minimum distributions, or RMDs, from your traditional IRA or 401k, when to start taking Social Security, how Social Security payments are taxed, whether to convert your traditional IRA to a Roth, how to recover from a bear market, one of the topics that we talked about in our last episode, finding good alternatives to low-yielding CDs or savings accounts, and how to come up with a creative way to leave a legacy for your grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Another timelier issue is that of inflation, and last week we received confirmation that those receiving Social Security would receive the biggest COLA increase since 1981. How well do you remember 1981? Harrison Ford had his first bow as Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Last Ark. Frogger and Donkey Kong were all the rage at video arcades. Bob Ross left the Air Force and took up painting. On top of that, we had the largest Social Security cost of living adjustment on record, which was 11.2%. This year's COLA increase won't reach that high, but the Senior Citizens League anticipated it to be as much as 8.7%. As it turns out, they were right on the nose. This tops last year's 5.9% increase. What this increase means for those collecting Social Security benefits is additional help battling inflation. The average Social Security retiree benefit will increase $146 per month. That would bring the average up to $1,827 in 2023 from the $1,681 in 2022. So why is this happening now? Congress has COLA increases pegged to rising inflation. While there's been a great deal of talk about inflation this year, the increase depends on the much-anticipated official numbers. The third quarter's Consumer Price Index, or CPI, is measured against the CPI of the previous year, and the COLA is calculated from that. When I'm asked about when someone should begin accepting Social Security payments, I say that there is honestly one best answer for most people. It is not the same answer you would probably hear from a bunch of 60- and 70-year-old men drinking their coffee at Dunkin' Donuts. If you were to ask these wise men, you would probably hear something like this. 62, haven't you been reading the newspaper? This country is in a huge financial mess. Get it while the getting is good. Take it out at 62. So, okay, we know the Dunkin' Donuts answer, but is that the correct answer? Absolutely not. The correct answer is that the breadwinner of the family should delay taking Social Security payments until age 70 if possible, or at least until his or her normal retirement age. That's 66 for some, 67 for others. The reason for this approach is simple. The breadwinner Social Security lasts for two lives, not one. If you take this check early, it will result in a lower paycheck for both the husband and the wife, since when the breadwinner dies, the other spouse begins receiving the breadwinner Social Security instead of their own. The recipient who made the smaller amount of money in the marriage can take it at 62 or whenever he or she wants, but the breadwinner should definitely delay. 
One final important consideration on the matter of Social Security, though, is health. If a retiree has a serious health condition that significantly lowers his or her odds of a long life, this person might want to take Social Security early. Once we pass away, so do our checks, except in the case of the breadwinner scenario with a surviving spouse. Thus, it makes it much more financial sense to accept Social Security payments if the retiree knows they won't live far past 70. I will also add that there are a number of financial advisors such as myself who have software that can demonstrate that you may be better off taking Social Security early. These monthly checks help take the pressure off withdrawals from stock and bond portfolios. Remember, though, that this software creates only hypothetical illustrations. They can predict the future no better than anyone else. All that being said, if you're comfortable with the hypothetical rates of return and the illustration that is being provided, I see no problem with someone taking Social Security early as part of an overall financial plan. As I'm preparing for an educational seminar we're hosting in our learning center here at our offices next month on taxes and retirement, which if you're local to our offices here in Daytona Beach, we'd love to have you and invite you to attend. I'm reminded, though, that many retirees are surprised when they lose a substantial chunk of their Social Security checks to taxes. So here's what you need to know. If your gross income amounts to less than $25,000 a year, excluding one half of your Social Security benefits, none of your monthly check will be taxed. Or if you are married and you and your spouse together make less than $32,000, you are also in the clear. However, as soon as you enter the next income tax brackets, which I'm sure include many of you, the rules change dramatically. Married couples that make between $32,000 and $44,000, for example, will have to pay taxes on up to 50% of their Social Security. Furthermore, couples making over $44,000 will probably pay taxes on as much as 85% of their benefits. This does not mean that the federal government will take away 50% or 85% of your Social Security. I want to be clear on this. The percentage only indicates the portion of your benefit subject to taxation. Under federal law, the government can never tax more than 85% of your Social Security income, regardless of how much money you make. One interesting wrinkle that can trip you up when calculating the income thresholds is that non-taxable interest actually counts toward the total. For example, if you and your spouse have $42,000 in taxable income plus $3,000 in interest from tax-free municipal bonds, you would probably assume that only 50% of your Social Security benefit is subject to tax. However, you would be wrong. The federal government counts the tax-free interest, so your combined income would be $45,000 for the purposes of calculating the Social Security benefits tax. Instead of 50%, you would have to pay on a up to 85% of your Social Security. This policy has the effect of turning what should be tax-free income into taxable income. Annuities can help to alleviate this problem, since no taxes are paid on deferred annuities until a withdrawal is made and payments from annuities include a return of principal so that it's not counted as income. So many seniors are not aware that their tax-free bond interest counts towards the taxation of their Social Security benefits. As a financial advisor, I have helped many seniors reduce or completely eliminate the taxation on their Social Security benefits. Simply by moving tax-free bonds or CDs just sitting in the bank into deferred or income annuities. If you have a large pension or other income from an asset that cannot be moved into an annuity, you will likely be paying taxes on up to 85% of your Social Security benefits. 
Once you retire and begin taking Social Security, you will receive a Social Security benefit statement in the mail each January for the rest of your life. If you have questions about whether you owe taxes on your Social Security, this form should be able to answer them. If it turns out that you do have to pay taxes, you have two options. Your first option is to make quarterly tax payments to the IRS each year based on your adjusted gross income. But the second option is simpler. Instead of receiving the money and then having to pay it right back to the government, you can simply opt to have the tax money withheld from your monthly Social Security checks, much like when you were working. This way, it will at least seem like the money never existed in the first place. Now let's address the elephant in the room that I alluded to in the beginning when talking about the Dunkin' Donuts answer to when you should take your Social Security benefits. You have probably heard about some of the troubles with Social Security. There are 78 million baby boomers in America. That's about 26% of the population. And every last one of them is rushing headlong into retirement. One by one, each baby boomer will soon stop working, stop contributing to Social Security, and start taking money from the program. Payroll taxes are used to fund the program with any surplus held in a trust fund to help cover the cost of the boomer's retirement. However, the trust fund is actually actually a pile of IOUs. Congress has already spent the money. Furthermore, the monthly benefit payments certainly will not be enough to cover average living expenses. The Social Security Administration reported that the average monthly benefit for a senior or disabled citizens was $1,503 a month in 2020. And it is quite probable that the payment you receive in the future will be even less than this. But even assuming $2,000 monthly payments, $24,000 a year, simply cannot cover all of a typical retirement costs, and these circumstances are simply not going to improve. At this time, the U.S. government does not foresee any significant increases in Social Security payments. Decreases, on the other hand, are more than possible. This is partly because the program covers far more people than just retirees and the disabled. It also provides other services such as unemployment benefits and children's health insurance. With all of these programs lumped together and supported by a practically empty fund, the future of the program appears grim. For all its problems, Social Security was actually quite workable when it was first created back in the 1930s. The payments were sizable and they kept a lot of older folks above the poverty line without breaking the government's credit. Here's the problem, though. During this era, there were far fewer beneficiaries compared with the number of workers paying into the system since people did not live as long as they do today. The average life expectancy in 1935, when the U.S. first established the Social Security Act, was age 60 for men and age 64 for women. It was fairly typical for Americans to pass away before they even reached age 65 and retired, leaving more Social Security money to the lucky few blessed with longevity. The situation is much different today, with people often living into their 80s or 90s. Recent data indicates the average lifespan for women has gone from 71 years in 1960 to to roughly 80 today and from 66 to 75 years for men. This means that Social Security will have to accommodate an unprecedented and overwhelming number of healthy, long-living retirees. Moreover, if you are married, you can count on even a longer average lifespan by up to nine years. Of course, increased life expectancy is not the only flaw in the Social Security system. 
Since the fund that is supposed to cover our checks in the future is merely a series of IOUs, the reserves are hardly liquid. Whenever the government needed to pay for something, it would take some cash out of the fund and leave an IOU. This short-term problem solver is now creating a huge headache because unless the money is paid back, we are not going to have enough Social Security money to fund benefits at current levels. Furthermore, the government will have raised the full retirement age from 65 to 67 and could possibly raise that age even higher for the younger generations. For those who opt to still retire at age 65, this will mean even lower monthly Social Security payments. On the flip side, those who remain working until age 67 will still miss out on two years of Social Security benefits that their parents received. As if that weren't enough to prove my point, we also have to mix Medicare premiums and taxes into the equation. Medicare covers many health care expenses for seniors. However, some coverage is limited. For example, if you need long-term care, Medicare will only provide coverage for up to 100 days in a nursing home. And you have to jump through specific coops to even get that. Unfortunately, the program is also running low on money. You can probably guess what will happen over the next decade. Medicare Part B premiums deducted from Social Security benefits are projected to soar to over 10%, which will reduce the amount of your check. In addition, up to 85% of Social Security benefits may be taxed for higher income retirees, which we just covered. Since these taxes are not indexed for inflation, many middle class earners will be viewed as rich and will have to pay higher taxes on their Social Security benefits. So what can you expect from Social Security in the future? Apparently not what your parents could. While cutting benefits or raising the age at which you could start collecting would have been political suicide just 10 years ago, the debt crisis has permanently changed things. No one can predict where Social Security benefits will be in 10 years from now, but do not count on them being anywhere near as generous as they once were. All this being said, I'm not actually a Social Security doom and gloomer. I can confidently say that you will will receive Social Security in retirement. The entire Social Security problem will not be that difficult to solve. It is a matter of understanding the economic realities and having the political will. In fact, two simple changes would fix the system for the rest of our lifetimes. First, gradually raising the retirement age by one month for every two years that you are younger than age 50. For instance, my dad got full Social Security at age 65. I won't get mine until age 67. Is it that unreasonable that my 18-year-old granddaughter won't get hers until 69 or 70? Her life expectancy will be longer than mine and my father's. After all, the second change would require changes to Social Security taxes. First, the actual rate that individuals and businesses pay will need to be slightly increased. Also, the cap on earnings that are taxed will need to be raised, maybe doubled. But none of these tax increases will be worse than the alternative, cutting benefits significantly. Overall, though, Social Security will survive in some form. Future retirees might not get their parents' benefit amount in real inflation-adjusted terms, but they will receive a Social Security check in retirement, and it will be greater in nominal dollars than what their parents received. There is an excellent documentary that came out this year called The Baby Boomer Dilemma, an expose of America's retirement experiment, and we have acquired a limited number of free promo codes to share with our listening audience. This movie takes a deep dive into pensions, both corporate and public, Social Security, 401k, and annuities. It features the nation's top economists on retirement and retirement income that include Nobel Prize winning economists and world-renowned economists from MIT, Stanford, Wharton, Berkeley, York, and BYU. Government leaders over trusts include congressmen, 
trustees, SEC whistleblowers, the father of the 401k, and the 2019 president of the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, as well as industry competitive intelligence experts and authors. This is the first MPA-rated film that looks at retirement income. Check out the show notes for a link to reserve your movie pass. We have also included a downloadable Social Security white paper, What Baby Boomers Need to Know About Social Security, for additional information on the subject of today's talk. I invite you to get the answers you need about your financial plan in one of our exploratory meetings. To receive the benefits of a valuable fiduciary second opinion, a net retirement income analysis, a Social Security maximization report, a blueprint of your current portfolio, a tax consultation through the four stages of retirement, or an estate planning review. Schedule your consultation now. There's no obligation. That's all I've got planned for you this week. Until next time, remember that navigating your abundant retirement starts today. I'd like to encourage you to continue our journey of enlightenment and education by subscribing to our podcast and downloading the show. See you next week. You should consult a financial advisor familiar with the specific circumstances of your unique financial situation before making any financial decisions. Nothing in this broadcast constitutes as a solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities. Any mentioned rates of returns are historical or hypothetical in nature and are not a guarantee of future returns. Carol Dewey is an investment advisor representative of Perpetual Wealth Financial, a Florida-registered investment advisor firm. 